This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to College Talk, and joining me tonight is Emilio Danello. This is a special episode, as it is an interview with Fulham legends Gordon Davis and Rob Wilson together. We'll be discussing many topics, and it will include topics from the Fulham supporters. We have a ton to get through in this very special episode of the show. Before I do anything else, I want to welcome Emilio back to the show. I know Emilio is excited to do this. Emilio, how are you doing? Hello, Russ. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Rob. Absolutely delighted to be doing this show. It's uh, well, an opportunity to have a light-hearted debate with our you know, two of our legends from the 1980s, where most of, many of our fans out there will know full well what these guys achieved for us. So this should be a, a fun, interactive conversation. We're exclusively interviewing our two legends, and yeah, I'm really excited doing this tonight. So um, thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Rob, for, for joining us tonight. No, it's great to have yeah, you no both problem. on. So let me introduce both of you first. Rob, I know you've been on a lot lately, but I'm so happy that you could join us for this special interview with your teammate. Yeah, good evening. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thanks for inviting me on, and uh, good evening to, to to all three of you. And look forward to the uh, the next hour and conversations about our, our beloved FFC. Absolutely, this this should be fantastic. Well, it's a real pleasure also having on Gordon on the show. Gordon, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Russ. Uh, good evening to Emilio and uh, good evening to Rob. It's, uh, it should be interesting the next hour because uh, uh, we should have some fun and games, I think. I have a feeling we're, we're definitely going to have that. Okay, so let's get going. I'm going to turn this over to Emilio, who's going to get us started here. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Russ. I think for the benefit of, of our, many of our listeners, obviously there's a lot of younger fans out there, new, you know, newborn supporters, etc. So but. For the benefit of those who may not know so much about you guys, Gordon, I'm going to start with you first. Just tell us, tell all the listeners here a bit about your footballing career in Fulham and beyond. Obviously, you're, you're the record goal scorer for Fulham. Many amazing moments. I saw you, like I said it before the show's recorded, my first game was against Sheffield United at home on Boxing Day, when both of you played, in fact. And uh, Gordon, you scored the, I think it was a winning goal, you scored that 2-1 win. So I'll dig out the programme and I'll share it with you after. But uh 
tell all our listeners on the show a bit about your, your footballing career at Fulham and, and why you decided to join our local neighbours down the road as well. <laughs> yes, one went and we just call them local neighbours. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was at the time I was playing non-league football for Merthyr Tydfil in, the, in the, what was the old Southern League. There were about eight or ten clubs that uh, were looking at me at the time, and um, I knew I was going to be signing for one of them. I didn't know which one at the time, but a lot of the players that I was playing uh, with at Merthyr were sort of ex-Swansea players, pro players. So I had a, a good chat with them, and, and literally to a man, they all said, if it was me and I was in your position, I'd sign for Fulham. And when I asked why, they said, well, they're a team that plays good football. They've always got a good surface there. The crowd are absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and literally, when I then spoke with Fulham, um, there, there was no real worry about it for me. Should I do it? Shouldn't, shouldn't I? As soon as they sort of started talking about uh, signing contract, I literally said, yes, I'll sign for you. So, that was in sort of March of 1978, I mean, um, yeah. which is uh, uh, which is a long, long time ago. And um, when I when I got to Fulham, um, we only they only had a, a two or three forwards in the squad. One was obviously John Mitchell, who was the main attacker at the time. And I played. I was fortunate enough to play the last five games of the season. Um, and then in the, the summer, John Mitchell was sold to Millwall. So. Bobby Campbell at the beginning of the season just handed me the shirt and said, okay, son, show us what you can do. So literally I found myself within six, six months of joining the club, uh, being a, a first team, I can't say regular, but being mm. put in the first team. Um, if I'd have gone anywhere else, I may have spent one or two seasons in the reserves and it could have been so completely different for me. But uh, it was uh, sort of seven good seasons that I had, uh, and things went well for me, and I, I scored goals. The, the crowd took to me uh, mm. and always supported me. Even if I missed chances, they they stayed behind me. Um, I had seven good seasons there, and just unfortunately a contractual negotiation which broke down mm. while I while I had the pen in my hand, ready to sign the contract. And then mm. I went on a week to week for I believe it was something like three months, okay, uh, four months. And at the beginning of the season, I was on a week-to-week contract and I had to come back to the club every Friday to sign a new one-week contract so I could play on the Saturday. Right. So when, it got to, when it got to that stage, then um, mm. I thought, well, there's no way things are going to go uh, well with, with the negotiations. Um, then uh, literally the only club that came in for me was the club down the road. Mm. And uh, it went to the old tribunal. And uh, everybody knows what happened there. Fulham mm. asked 300000 for me. Chelsea offered 100000 And uh, the, the deal was settled. So I went across across the road. And um, yes, I was called a few names by the Fulham faithful. <laughs> uh, Traitor was one of them when I came back to watch a, a, a midweek game at the cottage. Um, and it wasn't hard to find out who had said it because I was sitting in the Riverside stand and when somebody shouted out traitor, I turned around. There were only five people standing, uh, sitting down behind me. So I knew it was one of the five. Um, and uh, literally, I had 12 months uh, across at Chelsea fighting for my place. But of course, when I did get in the team, generally when David Speedy got suspended or uh, injured, 
Um, it didn't really matter what I did. I wasn't going to get a run in the game, uh, in the team. So uh, on my debut, I scored, and I was dropped for the next game. We played up at Everton. I got a hat-trick. We won 4-3. Remember that? Dropped yeah. for the next game. Before uh, Christmas, so, wasn't it that game? I think it was just before Christmas, wasn't it, I think? Wasn't yes, it? yeah. yeah. Hmm. It, was, it was one of only two games I think Everton lost at home that season because they won the league that year. Uh, it could have ended up 7-6, but things went right for me that night. Um, as I say, got three, dropped for the next game. So it all went down to pre-season and change of manager. John Neal went upstairs. John Hollins came in. And uh, he said, if you score more goals than either Kerry Dixon or David Speedy, you're in for the first game of the season. So me being the greedy centre-forward that I was, and Rob will back you up on that, um, I uh, literally scored more goals than Kerry Dixon and David Speedy put together. And then when the squad was announced for Arsenal away at Highbury, um, I wasn't in the team. I wasn't one of the subs. I wasn't one of the travelling uh, players. I was in the sub, uh, in, in the reserves at Swindon. So literally I played in the reserves within the Monday, handed my transfer request in, and then was, was basically on the list. Um, so I'd only been there exactly 12 months. I left Fulham October 84. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I left uh, October 85 to go uh, up to a club that I'd supported for the 15-year-old Man City. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I was I was there scoring goals, but didn't see eye to eye with uh, a, a manager who's got one of the biggest names in the game, but was absolutely awful to work for, and that was Billy McNeil. Mm-hmm. So when he left then to go to Villa... Um, he basically stabbed about five of the players in the back and said, you need to get rid of these players. So, um, lo and behold, um, I was about to go and talk to Leeds and uh, I got a phone call to say that Ray Lewington wanted to have a chat with me. Mm. So I had a chat with Ray Lou. Um, He invited me to come along to the, I think it was the League Cup game when um, Fulham played up at Anfield. And I said, no, I said, I don't really want to go to the game because uh, if anybody sees me, if they start chanting my name, it's not good for the players on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And if you remember it, if you're a Fulham supporter, through and through, that was the game that they actually lost 10-0. Yeah. So when I heard, <laughs> I the, result, there, yeah. I when I heard the result that night on the news, mm-hmm. I did have a chat with Sue, my wife, as if to say, do you think I'm doing the right thing? <laughs> um, but I came down and had a chat with Lou the following week and signed. So it, did, it didn't put me off because, A, I knew the supporters here. Um, mm-hmm. I knew they'd be behind me if I came back. All I needed to do was to make sure that I scored goals, um, which is all you can do when you're up front. And I scored on my debut at the Doncaster, um, but we lost 2-1. And I think the home game... Uh, the next home game was a, a, either a cup game or, or, or a league game against Hereford and I scored two at home and we, I think we won 3-1 or 3-2 so it was back to uh, back to square one um, at that point and then of course I had a few injury problems, Achilles tendon problems and uh, that coincided with my testimonial year and uh, literally the unfortunate thing uh, about my association with Fulham is that um, Jimmy Hill basically threw me out of the door when I was carrying an injury when the club should have, shall I say, looked after me on a week-to-week basis until I was fit. 
um, I was just told that um, I wasn't needed anymore and uh, I could pick my boots up and not mm. walk out of the club, but limp out of the club down Stevenage Road. And uh, it was a, the end of my Fulham career was a bit uh, uh, of a heartbreaker for me. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, uh, it's, I've never held it against the club. It was more one person than the club itself. Mm. Um, but um, it, was, it was from there up to Wrexham. I was just about to ask you, Gordon, second time round, when, when he left to go to Wrexham, what year was that? What, when Jimmy Hill pushed you um, out the I door think, as such? I think, let's, let's, I think it was 1991. Yeah, yeah right. must have been a couple of years after my second spell back, because like you, well, I don't mm. want to explain that at a later stage, but I was just curious to see what uh, what year you left, you left yeah, obviously, was, a couple of years was, after me. I think it was 1991. Um, right. But um, but it was it was sort of if if I work it backwards, I, I came back in '86, mm. October '86, exactly two years after I'd left. So it probably would have been around the 1991 mark. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was around then. It was '91, '92, was it when Wrexham? I was just saying off air. Um, Gordon, when Mickey Thomas scored that winner in the top corner. That, yes, that. yes, he, he'd been practicing that. Well, he's been practicing free kicks all all week, and he couldn't hit a barn door from five yards, and that <laughs> one flew in the top corner. So, uh, why why practice practice free kicks? Why practice penalties? Because it's all on the night. Well, I think if, if you if you just look back at your career, you know, the you know, full of, majority of Fulham fans, not all of Fulham fans, will recognise all the all the goals. You know, just being there in a box, poaching the goals, just being an all round player. And the camaraderie as well that was very clear amongst, you know, from a fan's point of view, what we could see that week in, week out. You know, some we had some difficult times during those mid-80s. Things weren't going pretty, but yeah. the day, you know, you're still there banging in the goals in both your spells. So if I then look about, you know, look at that specifically at your career at Fulham, what, what were your biggest highlights when it comes to games, goals, moments? Do you want to just share some of your, your most memorable experiences? Whilst well, I, 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 suppose, I suppose as far as goals were concerned the most important goal for me was on my debut at Blackpool mm. um, because I didn't even know that I was going to be playing until Bobby Campbell announced the team sort of 45 minutes an hour before the game and so it came as a complete and utter surprise to me and um, lo and behold when I then went to the big kit box which uh, had all the boots in um, my boots were nowhere to be seen because I wasn't expected to play, so my boot boy never put the boots in. So I ended up borrowing somebody's boots, which were a size too big for me. Um, I had to wear two pairs of socks so the boots fitted. Um, <laughs> I, I, and I, I went out on the pitch uh, thinking, surely this isn't the way that you should start your professional career. And after six minutes, I came back with a centre half and uh, a long throw-in came in. He fell down in front of me, and I heard the whistle go. And suddenly, the referee is pointing to the penalty spot. And hmm. the Blackpool have got a penalty. And Ray Evans, who is the best captain I have ever played under, came across to me. He start, He was nose-to-nose. He was poking me in the chest, asking me if I'd done anything, if I'd kicked him, if I'd tripped him. And I was shaking in my boots. Um, and I, I told him I didn't touch him. I said he conned me. I said he just backed into me and fell forward. So in no uncertain terms, and I know I can't use swear words, but he turned around and he said, basically, 
get over the halfway line, don't come back into the penalty area again tonight. And if you don't score, I will thump you in the changing rooms after the game. And I walked away and I was literally shaking because he was a, got quite a character, Ray. Uh, and fortunately, I laid on the equaliser, and this is the weird thing, I laid on the equaliser for Les Strong, of all people. Mm. And to this day, I've asked people in the team, have you any idea why Les Strong was up that far in the field to score a goal? And the mm. only reason that, that we think he was up there is because he came up for a corner about five minutes earlier and he was still on his way back. So Strong did the, the good thing by crossing the ball in the second half for me to score from 18 yards with a, a left foot volley, okay. which didn't rise above the ground a foot. And the following day, it was Welsh Wizard wins the game for Fulham. And if I hadn't have scored that goal, then I may not have scored or had the chance to score any of the other goals. I could have been out of my uh, out of my ear. So that first goal is always the most important one for me. Okay, interesting. Okay, that's good. Uh, again, there's some you know a lot of the games we've played against our local neighbours down the road. You know, some of the goals you scored is that five three defeat at home at Craven Cottage against Chelsea. Was that eighty three well, eighty four? It's not up there because we lost. Yeah. I, I walked home with the match, or I walked out of the club with a match ball and yeah. face down to the floor. Purely because we'd lost to our, our local rivals. Yeah. I wasn't happy that I'd got the match ball. Um, I was just so, sorely disappointed that uh, we'd lost at home to what was then our, our biggest rival. Yeah. So, um, yes, we, we, we played it. Well, I think it is now the last time we won at Stamford Bridge. Yes, I scored the winner across there when we beat them. I think it was 2-0. Mm. Uh, John Beck got the first goal. Right. And then um, a, a free kick or a corner that we'd worked on in training, which was where Gailey started on the near post and went shorter. Ball was played in, into him. He flicked it on. And I got on the second ball. So, yeah, it was nice to put one over uh, Chelsea, especially at Stamford Bridge. So it does enter the equation, but nowhere near the, uh, the first goal. Because, as I did say, if I hadn't scored the first one, would I have scored any more? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you'll still have some involvement both as a fan and directly with the club, with, you know, for example, writing in a programme. Do you want to just give an overview of what your current involvement is with the club? Obviously, you've stayed loyal for all these yeah, years. It, it, it has been strange. I was asked three years ago to uh, write um, a programme notes uh, about the game and the week and the, the previous uh, games that we've had. Uh, so I did it and I thought, well, it's going to be a one-off and they'll, they'll ask somebody else to do it. And then the, at the end of the, the season, uh, they, they literally just said, would you like to do it next year? So I said, which was last season. So I said, yeah, fine. I said, That's absolutely marvellous. If you want me to do it for another year, um, I don't mind doing it. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's other things that we can talk about during the season in the programme. And then it came to the end of the season. And um, Tom, who does the programme, uh, and does the interview with me and, and writes the notes up, um, he said, do you want to do it again next year? And I said, well, to be perfectly honest with you, I've done it for two years. The, the supporters could be getting a bit cheesed off with, with my comments and, and the way that I put things across. Um, I said, have a word with the club first. Um, they may want a, a new face, uh, a new set of options coming up. So Tom had a word with them at the end of the season. And then literally about 
three weeks ago, he, he, he phoned me up um, and he said, uh, are you all right to do them this year? And I said, well, have you spoken to the club yet? And they said, yeah. They said the club are quite happy for you to do it again this year. So, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to doing it. I'll, I'll, I'm, we're going to try and sort of uh, change a, a few things this year. So it's not the same old uh, blurb coming out from me. Mm. And um, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, on top of that, uh, then I've, I've been looking after one of the corporate hospitality lounges, mm. um, which I did when they got through or got into the Premier League before. So I was doing it, doing it for 13 years. And then when they got relegated, mm. uh, if you call it a job, I lost my job because of uh, uh, financial cutbacks, okay. uh, which, which, which I did laugh a bit. If they were paying me a million a year, I could say, well, yeah, that's fine. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, but uh, we had both Freddie Callahan and my, myself lost our jobs. And then when a new man, Rob Padden, came in last year, he turned around and said, we need somebody to look after this lounge. Um, who should we talk to? Um, the people that he spoke to said, well, Gordon was looking after it before. Have a word with him. So a, a year February, Rob got in touch with me. And shall I say, what a time to go back um, at the end of the promotion season in February, because basically we hardly lost a game through February, March, April and May and got promoted or got, got into the, the playoffs. Um, so it was a fantastic time to become um, back involved with the club. And, and that sort of... Um, carried on last year so yes i'll be working on the corporate side this year again now down at um fulham palace because obviously the riverside stand will be no more uh, and loving my involvement with the club and, and of course the supporters absolutely that's all good stuff you know all the all the all the, all the historical especially the older fans like myself you know we all appreciate your your ongoing contribution involvement with the club and you know the fact that you're our record goal scorer and always will be and, you know, never be broken so uh... no no you can't say that records I've always said records are there to be broken and one day it will be I'm not, not sure you that quarter players but that's another matter but uh got a long <laughs> way to go yet but you know it's uh just well thanks for that really comprehensive you know update on your career at Fulham uh Gordon I'm gonna go over to Rob now so uh Rob I'm gonna ask you the same question to sort of summarize you know your 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 two spells at Fulham and obviously and obviously some of the other clubs that you played for in the 80s? Yeah, I mean, obviously, being a being a local lad in Fulham, it was uh, very privileged when I was 16. Uh, back then in 1977, to be offered a, as an apprenticeship, it was in them days, not a scholarship as it is these days, um, which, you know, was an honour for, for me and my family to, uh, you know, play for a, a home, homegrown club, being a, a Fulham boy and a Parsons Green uh, lad. Um yeah, it, it was a privilege, and and then obviously spent sort of eighteen months, two years in the youth team, and and like Gordon said, uh, my my debut was a bit unexpected, really. I was only eighteen, and we were playing Blackburn away in the FA Cup. It was in January, and uh, Bobby had made me travel with the squad, and literally uh, on the day of the game, said to me that he was giving me my debut, and I was having to do a man marking job on. Uh, the player manager for, for Blackburn at the time, which was Howard Kendall, um, which, you know, was a surprise. And, you know, I didn't even have time to, to get my parents or my brothers who followed all my career up to that game on that day. So it was probably good in one way. We drew we drew the drew the away leg. Uh, I, I think it was nil-nil. Uh, I think we beat them at home then the following Tuesday or Wednesday, which I didn't play in the home game, but 
Um, I did enough in that season to, to to end up playing, I think, a ten or twelve games through 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 the end of Bobby's reign. But and then obviously go on to to play under under Malcolm McDonald and with Gordon and, and the rest of the lads in them early eighties and accumulating uh, promotion. Obviously, the famous night of Lincoln, going mm-hmm. on to 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 having the disappointment season of the. The infamous Derby game, which was which <laughs> was aired on which was aired on BT only last Sunday, I think I watched the the Carlisle uh, mm. Leicester and uh, and uh, a Derby game where we spent the other Sunday just watching them through uh, for for our tears really. But um, yeah, I mean over 250 games, 48 goals, two spells, as I say. Um, uh, left in '85, like Gordon did, and not under a cloud. I left because of a similar scenario. All the lads were starting to leave. Ray Lew had gone to she- uh, Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Ray Alton was going to Oxford. Gailey had gone to West Ham. You know, players that team was starting to to break up. So, you know, I went to Millwall. George Graham signed me for Millwall. They they were in Division Two. He signed me for hundred thousand. That was a it was it was the biggest regret of my career really because although I went there and enjoyed it and scored twelve goals in thirty six games, it wasn't a nice environment to be playing in every week and. Consequently, George left at the end of that first season and went to Arsenal. And there's me still got a three-year contract. And a new manager came in, which was John Doherty, who took a dis, dis, an instant dislike to me because I was their top-paid player. Uh, even mm. though I'd scored 12 in, in, in 36 games that previous season, mm. he just didn't. He made he, you know, he just made my life hell. He was, I was travelling from Wokenham to, to the other side of London, Millwall every day, and mm. um, yeah, it, it was difficult. And he, he tried to get me get me out of the club. Unfortunately, Ray Harford, who was coaching at uh, at Luton at the time in the prem, well, in the first division as it is, it was in them days with mm. John Moore, uh, got in contact, and, and I ended up having a, a nice move there for for two years and scoring on my debut at home to Peter Sh- against Southampton against Peter Shilton on the old plastic pitch was <laughs> again a, a nice memory to have. Uh, and like like Gordon said, uh, Ray got the job as player manager back at Fulham in in '87, and and, and t- I was I was in and out of Luton's side the second season. I had quite a good run the first year, um, and Ray Ray invited me back to Fulham under the jurisdiction of Jimmy Hill, which, as I say, I, I fell foul of uh, mm. his words as well as Gordon did, you know. Um, and and people say it's never the same second time round anywhere you go. And, I, you know, there's a little bit of that there. We, mm. You know, we lost we lost in the playoffs to Bristol Rovers, if you remember, you'll remember it, you know, in our oh. second season. We went away yeah. and Drew Neal did, did a good draw away from home and then got hammered at home. Still blame um, Scotty so, yeah, for that. Lots of ups and downs. Scotty getting sent off in that game. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, lots, lots of lovely mm. memories. Lots, of, a few, a few negative ones. You know, more positive than negative. But as I say, uh, as a, as a local-born kid, you know, it was, it was great mm. to, to represent a home club, and you know, obviously. Um, it was great for myself and my family, and uh, and my dad got rest his soul, watched me all, all my all my career, and followed me everywhere. As did my three or four brothers, and you know, I mean, it's it, it was nice, and um, you know, out of my whole career, Fulham has always been my my only one club. Although I played at Huddersfield, Millwall, Luton, um, you know, I'm still a Fulham fan at heart, and have been for for the last sort of 15, 18 years, long since I retired. As many supporters up and down the country have, we've had great conversations on the concourses of, of 
you know, the, <laughs> the likes of all the big clubs as well as the little small ones as well. So I enjoy all that. We have we have good banter with um, mixing with the Fulham fans. They are to me, you know, some of the best <laughs> in the land. And you know, it's typical Fulhamish. We we have our good days and we have our bad days. And Fulham never do anything easy. And they've been yeah. like that for for thirty odd years. <laughs> so the extent yeah, since I've supported them, you know, like you said, there's never, never an easy moment, never a dull moment sporting Fulham. But uh, in, and in that time and your spells at Fulham, any sort of memorable game there? Your most famous goal, anything that really, really sticks in your memory? Yeah, I mean, I scored. I, yeah, I did score. I don't know if Gordon played in the game. I, I did score a, a, an absolutely memorable goal. And unfortunately, it's never been captured on um, on YouTube or anything like that. It was Shrewsbury away, and it was just not long after Ricky Bellio scored that goal at. Uh, against Man City at Wembley okay. in the FA Cup and I, I did something very similar you know beat it about well I think it was five it goes up every week I think it, it may have been six I, I know from the halfway line I ended up beating about at least four or five or six players but the news of the world I've got the clip into here it says it was very similar to the, to the Ricky Villa goal um, and, and scoring so that was, that, was, that was a nice goal I mean obviously I've scored, I've scored a few at home uh, it's always nice to score in, in front of your home fans. Carlisle the other week, I got so uh, watching it on the telly. The, the last home game before the before the derby game. So um, Sheffield Wednesday away, I scored uh, Man City away. So yeah, mm. there's some the nice ones, memorable games. Obviously, we're all we're all going to say the Lincoln game because it was mm. a memorable memorable night for for everyone concerned. And I, I can still picture us all standing on the mm. cottage now, drinking champagne and brownie, <laughs> smoking a cigar in the change room. You know, and we went on to have a really good evening. So, um, yeah, lot, lots of highs as a player, lots of uh, lows as a as a mm-hmm. fan. I was at Stoke when we got relegated. Um, you know what I mean? And 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 the highlights of, of of watching us getting promoted last year at Wembley, and a the disappointment then of following us most of last season. I nearly went to nearly you know I went to probably twenty eight twenty eight games out of the thirty two yeah. and watched us inconsistent inconsistently you know just mm. go down with a whimper really so yeah. um yeah that's the, the, there's highs and lows of being a Fulham fan uh, as well as a Fulham player lovely okay well thanks for that Rob thanks so both, both of you just given that overview to to all our listeners so um so if we now probably move on to the next section this is some questions specifically around this season so I'm going to hand over to you Russ now do you want to take control of the of the of the sure. call now absolutely thank you Emilio and guys Great stuff. I really enjoyed listening to both of you. But now let's talk about the upcoming season. It's already begun, but I want to start here. Gordon, I just want to get your thoughts on Fulham's preseason. Before we talk about what happened at Barnsley, let's not talk about that yet. Let's just talk about what has been happening in the lead-up to the Barnsley match. Your thoughts of Fulham's readiness for for this uh, upcoming season, because as we talk about Barnsley, I don't think they were ready to play. So I'm curious your thoughts on the uh, summer so far. Well, I think there's certainly, I think, uh, some aftershocks with the players of of going down. Rob mentioned going down with a whimper. And, and, and they did. They didn't do themselves justice throughout the entire season last year. And although, to, from my point of view, it doesn't matter results pre-season. Right. It's how you do in that first game. And it's how you uh, respond to things that happen in that, in that first game. Preseason is just fitness, and it, it. I know they come back much fitter now than when Rob and myself played. You you had six weeks off. You you probably didn't do anything, 
and then to the end of our career, people started sort of saying, right, you're, you're playing weight. Mine was 11.10. We want you the heaviest you've got to come back is 12.4, that type of thing. So at least you had some guidelines. Now it's much more structured, and a lot of the players uh, come back uh, as fit as they did when they left. So the first sort of uh, six weeks are just really getting fit and fit and fitter. And still, when the games come around, it takes you another five, six games to become match fit. But pre-season, I looked at um, the Porto game, and yes, there was a gulf in class because you, you're playing against a, a Champions League team. Right. But I thought, personally, although we were torn apart every now and again, I thought the, the back four as a unit, or defensively as a unit, they looked a lot better than they did last year. And I thought, I give praise to Stuart Craig um, with, with friends of mine saying, they've obviously worked on the defending side because at least the team are coming out as a unit and they're dropping off as a unit. So I, I was expecting um, a very, very good performance um, after pre-season at Barnsley. It's probably the worst game that you could have had as the first game of the season, uh, away to a newly promoted team. This is something that Emilio has said over and over, so I understand where you're going. Uh, yeah, Go ahead. And, and, and you would have looked at that, players would have looked at that and thought, oh, geez, why have we got a, anybody at home who wouldn't have minded? But <laughs> against Barnsley away, they knew, it, or they should have known, it was going to be tough from the outset. But um, I missed the first sort of 10 minutes of the game or 15 minutes of the game where we had a couple of chances if one of those had gone in, then it could have been a whole different story. Sure. But to be perfectly honest with you, and you've got to give Barnsley credit. Absolutely. They, they literally played us off the park. And totally. We weren't in the game, apart from a, a 10, 15-minute spell in, in the second half, where we knocked it about as we know we can. We missed a couple of chances, which is going to be the big thing. Uh, we haven't got people who score goals at the moment, apart from Mitrovic. That's a concern for me. But uh, it, it's certainly not the result that I would would have expected after a pre-season. Well, I can't say the result. If we'd have played better and lost one nil, you could accept that. But we were poor. It was from, the performance. Yeah, from from the, the first whistle almost till the last whistle, and and that's unacceptable um, from a, a player's point of view, from a management point of view, and really from a supporter's point of view because. I've only just come into the 21st century and joined Facebook two months ago. <laughs> and the amount of abuse that I've seen the players get and the team get for that first performance, and, and Rob was there, so he'd, he'd be yeah. able to say more about it. Um, I, I can understand where the supporters are coming from, but at the end of the day, it is the first game of the season. And to be perfectly honest with you, the year that we got promoted uh, from the old third division, uh, we lost... Uh, I think we 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 drew to one one and lost one out of our first four games, so we didn't set the world alight, but we got promoted. So it's the first point is preseason. I think went well for them, but the first result, Barnsley, it was a, it was a dire performance and something that the supporters don't want to see again. Totally agree. And Rob, over to you. You're on full time with us, so I already have a. A view of uh, how you feel about the match, but I, I want to ask your thoughts on what Gordon shared about basically getting ready for the season. The summer is about fitness. So I'm curious, as a former footballer, do you agree with him on that? 
And he said something interesting that I've talked to you about, and I want your thoughts on this. Stuart Gray, I, I keep thinking that he's going to play a huge factor in foam season, getting the defense ready. So I'm curious your view on what Gordon just shared here. Yeah, most definitely. And like you say, I think preseason is um, is definitely all about fitness. And I know for a fact the lads had a, a very tough 10 days out in Portugal, you know, doing double sessions um, every day, you know, really intense in, 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 in you know, constant heat. Um, and, you know, it was all structured, everything structured around the building up to that first game of the season, which it is. And results don't matter. And obviously the West Ham game, uh, of those that went to Aldershot, I think uh, I didn't, but I, I know from watching the game uh, on highlights what I saw, you know, they'd had a double session on the Friday before the game on the Saturday. Uh, and they were very poor in, in, that, in that first half against Aldershot. And I think Scott went in and ripped the, ripped the, the paint off the walls at half time, give them an absolute, uh, you know, severe bollocking. Um, you know, one or two of the lads said, well, they felt leggy. Uh, and we went out second half and played and the intensity which he expected, you know. Um, so, yeah, going into Barnsley, as, as we discussed on Saturday, uh, and as Gordon's alluded to there, you know, that's the worst team he would have wanted to pick. You know, they've got five people <laughs> making their debuts. They're a team that's just got promoted. They're young, athletic, uh, <laughs> full of energy on the front foot playing, you know, so-called superstars in Fulham with Kearney, Cavalero, Mitrovic, Noka, you know, to name but four or five. Um, and we were just never at the races from, from the first minute, um, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, whether we went there with the, with the attitude that we think it, w- it would be an easier game to start the season. Um, and we were just out for, out muscled, out run, out energised all areas of the park, uh, and predominantly in midfield. I think they just bossed it in there. The number eight, the lad from Chelsea, they bought only a young lad. I can't think of his name to, it's gone past my head, but uh, you know, he just bossed the game. Um, and we did have a spell second half for 15 or 20 minutes, but you know, if we'd have come away there with a draw, I think if I was a Barnsley fan, I'd have been very disappointed because overall, you know, they, they did boss the game. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, That's I've, right. I've had time to digest it all since Saturday <laughs> and, and, and listen to the comments and social media, like Gordon says, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and then you just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you take a, a step backwards and think, okay, all right, you know, what what could we have done better? You know, I'm sure Scott and his team and sure Gray, as we've, as you've asked the question, yeah, he's going to, he, he was very instrumental the back end of last season in coming in and, and, and helping Scott and uh, uh, sort out the defence and we went on to have a few games where we looked solid and we got a few wins under our belt and we a few clean sheets and I'm sure you know that will be his remit this season obviously there's new personnel coming in uh, slowly but surely and hopefully between now and and, and Thursday there will be or Saturday whenever it is that the transfer deadline will you know we've obviously got one over the line today we could do with a few others but yeah I just thought we looked leggy and I thought, you know, it was a hot day and they were on the front foot. We looked like a team that uh, expected to go and win there. And we didn't have the nous or we didn't have the leaders on the pitch to when we were, when we were went behind. And again, it was a poor goal. As much as Joe Bryan played well and got man in a match for us, it was poor defensively. He's got there first. He's tried to tackle with his right foot. You know, he's got to stay on his feet. He goes to ground. Mawson then should go and attack the balls, hesitant. 
makes it easier for the guy. The guy didn't know whether to cross it or shoot, ends up making it easy. Marcus then, I thought, went down too easy. You know, yep. goalkeeper shouldn't be letting that in at the near post. So, you know, that was just the one chance and the one goal that they they, they got. But so, but other than that, you know, I'm positive. It's just it's just a blip. I, I fully expect us to bounce back on, on Saturday. Uh, possibly be a few changes. I'm sure there will be with uh, Arthur coming in today. And knockout did enough in 20 minutes, uh, more than Kamara did in 90 to justify a <laughs> starting position. So I'm sure they'll be, um, you know, I'm sure they've looked at the videos on Monday. I'm sure they've analysed everything, you know, and the players have got to hold their hands up and look in the mirror and say, listen, we didn't do ourselves justice. And no matter how our pre-season was, we have not gone out there and, uh, and uh, you know, put our bodies on the line for the, uh, uh, and let down the 1,635 travelling supporters as well as their own, you know, manager, coaching staff and, and them as individuals. So let's, let's, you know, let's draw a line under it and uh, move forward to Saturday. Totally agree. Let's move on from that. And pretty much everything that you said, Rob, I agree with. And I think you did a very nice job of uh, talking about the Barnsley match and everything else. So it's funny because uh, this leads me now to talk about the transfer window. And I'm glad you talked about what happened today, which is Harry Arthur joining Fulham, which I think is a very nice move. I, I think there are, are more moves that need to happen. So I want to just get your overall thoughts on the transfer window, the positions that you still think Fulham need to bolster, because I, I see three or four. That's just my opinion. What are your thoughts? And then I'll go to Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I think we had a conversation last week, guys, Emilio and, and Russ, that, you know, there's, there was three. Them positions haven't changed in my eyes. I mean, we needed a centre-back, a right-back, and possibly a, uh, a goalkeeper. Uh, I wasn't too worried about the goalkeeping situation more than the other three positions, which was obviously uh, centre-back, right-back and, and possibly a holding midfield. But I think Art is a, is, is a great signing. I think he, he'll, give us, he'll give us energy in there. He, he, he's proven at that level in championship as well as premiership. I think, um, you know, whether he plays the deeper holding midfield player or whether he's going to be a Kearney type or a Johansson type player, um, I'm not too sure. Scott will know more about him than anyone, obviously being his his brother-in-law as well. But I just think he's proven. I still think we need a centre-back. Um, Marchland was just not good enough again uh, on Saturday. Uh, and right back, as I say, it's an area, whether it's Dennis or Christie, they, they, just, they just don't cut the mustard for me when either of them play there. So... Um, and also, if if, we, if we're brave enough, I think we we need some backup for Mitro. You know, Mitro's not been pulling up any any trees recently. You know, and in, and and I think if he does go through a lack of form, not that he's ever going to get dropped or gets injured. I just think what's what's behind what we've got. I just think there's not enough there. So yeah, I'd love to get three four in, but I can't see that happening. But um, you know, I still think you know we've got enough if we didn't get another one in between now and 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 the close of the window I still think we have enough in the locker to be challenging uh, top 6 although I said on your show 2 weeks ago that uh, <laughs> I expected us to win this division or at least finish second to league and I agree with you so I'm I'm still sticking with you Rob I'm still there with yeah, you yeah. <laughs> Gordon over to you it's funny because everything Rob just said I've I tend to agree with him but it's funny because I Heard you say, you know, uh, talk about goals. So I'm assuming that along with what Rob was talking about, you agree with maybe backup for Mitro. I'm curious your thoughts on the transfer window. Um, in your view, what Fulham still need? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think Rob's perfectly right with with what he's already said. And although I'm going to sort of go over similar things, I think yes, the, the problem is if Mitro gets injured. Fortunately, he hasn't really picked up a bad injury since he's he's come over to us. If he gets injured, we haven't got a replacement for him. We haven't got really anybody that we can put up there, apart from trying perhaps some of the. Uh, the youngsters like Taylor Crossdale, who's only 19 and has come across from Chelsea, when I read his his article, he was saying the right things. He likes to play on the shoulder of the last man. He likes to run in behind, which is the complete opposite of, of Mitrovic. So is it a situation that you could see a 19-year-old come and play alongside Mitrovic and be the one that's going in behind, for instance, like Dean Coney and myself? So... Uh, that is going to be interesting to me because Rob mentioned uh, when he was talking about his Fulham career, he was given the chance at 18. Now, I don't know what's happening with with our youngsters, but yes, we've given a Sessegnon a chance. Harvey Elliott comes in for less than two games, but he expects more as a 16-year-old. Um, so if if you if you're good enough, you're old enough, and and we've got to see if Taylor Crossdale makes the the mark. We've, we've picked up uh, the, the young lad, the, the young 18-year-old centre-half from Watford, Tricker, and when I read his article uh, on the website, he said one of his biggest assets is, is communication. Now, I think that's one of the major problems that we have along that back four is that they don't talk to each other. Totally you, look agree. Barnsley, you look at the Barnsley goal, and, and Rob mentioned about Brian, yeah, he should have been much stronger. Just put it out for a goal kick. Uh, a corner um, and, and, and reset yourself. But as soon as he's pushed over and the lad comes in, Mawson knows there's a foot forward behind him. So he's automatically coming backwards away from the ball when somebody's in the box. Odoi comes in, but Odoi should be shouting his head off saying, close the ball, close the ball. I've got the man, close the ball down. But it's too late by the time he gets there. I don't know whether he's even said anything to Mawson. So I think communication is a big problem. Uh, so we have got some youngsters who may be given the chance. I don't know. But as far as who we've got in, yes, Arthur is going to make, I think, a big difference uh, from, uh, for the, from, from the midfield point of view. And uh, Cavaliero and Knockhart. Knockhart did, well, Rob said, he did more in 20 minutes than Kamara did in 90. I think he did more in 20 minutes than Kamara totally did last season. But and I'm not afraid. I'm I'm waiting for Kamara to play well, to be confident in front of goal, to cool himself down in front of goal and go round the keeper and knock it into an empty net, and then come across to the stand, point me out, and say, "I told you I could do it." Because I'm not a fan of his. I cannot see the lad getting any better than he is already, and he is not a starter for a, a first Fulham eleven. Uh, so with Knockout. Um, if he plays and Cavaliero plays, and I think they both will at home, yep. I think we have got an attacking uh, trio that is going to cause people problems. Where I'm worried about on Saturday, as Rob said, the midfield, all of them look leggy. Absolutely. Perhaps Johansson is the one more going forward, but I've never seen Tom Kearney getting caught in possession of the ball as much all last season as he did on Saturday. So whether it's the preseason that's got to them, and, they, and they, or whether it's they just thought they were going to win the game, midfield was poor, 
and at the back, yes, we've still got problems. So you are looking for somebody to fill that right back spot. Um, I think Odoi or Christie possibly could do it only if they've got a winger playing in front of them. They are not wing backs. They haven't. They're not the Fredericks type of person. They can't get up and get back. When Christie goes up on one run, he struggles to get back, and it looks as though he's breathing out of his backside after one run. On the left side, Joe Bryan was getting a good understanding with Sess, and then Sess gets dropped, and he's he's no longer sort of in in the first team sort of setup. And when you think when Bristol City came down to us and hammered us in the championship. The two fullbacks of Bristol City, and Brian was one of them, yep. were flying down the wing. I haven't seen him flying down the wing for a long time, and, and really, he's got he's got the ability, but I think he needs to get an understanding with Cavaliero, and then that side could be fine. But a right back is a is a priority, totally agree. along with a set with a centre back. Um, I'm quite happy to give uh, Roddick uh, uh, a chance in goal if Bettinelli gets injured, but uh, right back, centre back. And yes, somebody that's going to play up front with Mitro. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, in my programme notes of the West Ham game, as Rob has already said, I fancy I can't see any teams better than us. Uh, and then I looked at Derby last night, and they looked a quality side. But to be perfectly honest with you, I can't see why we can't finish in the first two. Very good to hear. Gordon, right back to you, and, th- and then I'm going to go to Rob. I want to yeah. ask you both this question because it's something that's hanging over the club right now. Ryan Sessignon. I want to put you in the shoes of Tony Khan, Shai Khan, Alistair McIntosh. What do you do about this situation? I'm curious. Would you pref- I, I think, would you think, would you try to make him stay or do you sell? What what would you do if you were in charge, Gordon? Well it it, it all depends financially. Uh, Rob said he'd like another three or four players in. It all depends financially whether they've got something in line if he gets sold. Now, I would be prepared to go into the papers tomorrow uh, tomorrow morning and say, Tottenham, you either buy him now or you don't buy him at all. And he stays with us. Um, and then at least you know what's happening. He's been put out there. And if then Tottenham say, right, we want him and these two players can come to you or whatever the deal is, fine. You know it's going to be sorted out. So then they can possibly follow up on one, two, three irons in the fire that they may have out there that we don't know about at the moment. But at least then, if you know that Tottenham are not going to, they're going to leave it till half past four on Thursday night when I think it's five o'clock. But that doesn't help Fulham, Gordon. That's the issue I have. Sorry? If it's That won't help Fulham if it's too late. That's why I like the way you're talking no, that, about that's this. That's what I'm saying. If it, it, that's why I, I would like Fulham to come out tomorrow and say, right, you're either signing him, you've got until 5 o'clock t- tomorrow to sign him. If not, then we're not going down to the wire because we want to bring players in. And then they might go for two more players and, and sort of uh, uh, push the boat out a little bit with regards to finances, but keep Sess then for next, next well, this season. Now, he may well go in January. If he has a if he has a good five or six months, but um, at the moment, because nobody knows what's happening, we don't know whether Tottenham are just playing a game, uh, which is going to upset Ryan, and we don't know what Fulham's stance is. We're either going to sell him by five o'clock tomorrow evening, or we're not going to sell him until January, and then see how it goes. To be perfectly honest with you, because I think Tottenham is playing down. a waiting game at the moment. Make a decision. Yeah. No. 
Rob, what's your view on this? Because it's something that I've actually talked to my co-host Giannis about because he wants this done sooner than later. He doesn't want it to wait to the last minute because it could really do a number on full. What's your view on what Gordon just shared about what he would do in regards to the Cessnion situation? Yeah, I mean, ideally we we want to get rid of him. I think I think I think he needs to go. Uh, if I were honest, and I think we need to try and get as much as we can. Obviously, Tottenham are playing a waiting game. You know, Ryan and his agent may be playing a waiting game as well because you know they wait till January. They can start talking to to everyone and and setting walk away for nothing. You know, in in ten months' time, and you know, and Fulham get nothing. So you know, as much as it, it it stems round to if Ryan goes, I still think we can get players in even if Ryan does go or don't go. If he doesn't go and stays here, I'm not so sure the kid's got the mentality uh, and the drive to 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 make a. A concentrated effort in our team to help us get promotion because he knows he's not going to be here next season. So why is he going to try and put himself out to to, to really go hell for leather uh, for us in the next six months when you know he can talk to clubs freely in January and set his deal up for next next June when he's going to walk away for nothing with a big fat signing on fee. So yeah, if we get the opportunity to sell him in the next sort of 48 hours, then then do so. Um, Yes, in an ideal world, we would like it happen to, to tomorrow. So we've got the opportunity to, to to get a couple of players in. But I'm sure Scott knows the the fringe players at Tottenham in academy or reserve level that you know that have all been rumoured to be possibly part of the deal. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I just think he need, I just think the boy needs to go now. Uh, I think it's dragged on far too long. Okay. Uh, if he goes between now and Thursday, fantastic. If he doesn't. Scott will have to welcome him in to decide, but I'm not so sure that he would be a major figure in terms of um, you know looking at his body language. And I know he was he was dropped a lot last year, uh, and he was disappointing from the previous season. I don't know whether he's going to give us a full 100% committed effort to putting Fulham over the line between now and January, or now and next May. Okay, excellent. We do have a co-host that's going to be joining us in just a second, but before we do that, I have one final question about the season coming up and Gordon I want to go to you and then Rob I, I want your view on this too and it's about Mitro we've been talking a little bit about Mitro Gordon do you think Mitro fits Scott Parker's style he's only scored one goal in 10 what, what, what is your view on this well the thing is at the moment I don't know what Scott Parker's style is we've been talking about that <laughs> I, I uh, uh, the last 10 games of last season I think it was all about uh, yes, I've, I've, I've heard the rumours. The players like him as a person. The players like him as a manager. The way that he wanted to play at the end of the season, the players were more happy with that than with Ranieri or, or whoever. So in, in that respect, I think uh, what Scott was doing at the end of last season was trying to get the job on a full-time basis. Now we've got to see how the team are, are set up how they're going to play. If you look at it, he's brought two quality wide men in. And if they start uh, pulling up trees, then Mitro is going to get um, a lot of service in the box and a lot of chances. If you look at the game on Saturday, really, if it stays that way and we keep playing like that up until January, then from my point of view, it doesn't matter whether he's just signed a five-year contract. As a centre-forward, he is going to say, I can't play with this lot. 
they're not cre they're not creating for me. They're not giving me chances. Um, I, here's my transfer request, and I think that that's the biggest worry that I have okay. with the way that we're playing at the moment. Is that yes, it's great work from the club to to get him to sign a new five-year deal, but that five-year deal could be well out of the window come January if we play like we did at the weekend. So I'm still waiting to see what the setup is, what formation we're going to play under Scott, and what's the best one that's going to suit the players that, that we've got. So it, it, it's the door is open at the moment for uh, Scott to say, this is how I want to play, and it's got to start on Saturday. Okay, excellent. Rob, over to you. I know you're a huge proponent of Scott Parker, and we've already talked about this day. You think he's going to learn as he gets more experience. That's the kind of uh, vibe I got from you. So what are your thoughts about what Gordon just shared and just overall the situation with Mitro and uh, Scott Parker and uh, a definitive style? Because I agree with Gordon. We really haven't seen one yet. No, yeah, I, I could echo some of that. And I, Gordon's right in terms of the way Scott approached the, the end of last season was to try and, you know, save our face in going down. Uh, and he did so with, a, you know, three victories on the trot and a brand of football that the lads were comfortable with uh, under sort of slab that we'd, we'd, we'd endured, you know, the nice short passing football and creating chances. I think this season, I think Scott, with the mentality of getting in two wide players, he wants to play with a little bit more width up top and a bit more intensity and quality. And yeah, it's early days. It's one game, but I think he'll, he'll stamp his authority and his mark on how he wants to play in the coming weeks. Um, and I think Mitra will benefit from that because you've got two of the, two of the best wingers two years ago in the championship right. that, that, that have done it at this level. So uh, as much as uh, Saturday's game was disappointing and I take on board, he's got one goal in 10 games going into the back of last season and, and into this season. Um, but that'll be down to a combination of you know, players that we had last year. And I think uh, with the front two, as, as we've rightly said now, I think, um, you know, long term, they will create chances. And, and Gordon's right in what he says that if, you know, if we if, if if we're not cutting the mustard come January, the, the contract that uh, Mitro's got, you know, if someone comes in and offers twenty, twenty five, thirty million, you know, that'll be ripped up and it'll be gone. And you know, I don't think we'll get to that stage. But um, you know, I I just think that, like you say, Scott needs to really stamp his authority uh, on how we want to play, which he's doing week in week out by, by all accounts on on the training pitch. And and I, I I'm pretty confident in the coming weeks we will see that that uh, brand of football that he's really, you know, his philosophy in how he wants to play. So, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt, give him uh, give him the next six games. And if we're still having this same conversation, then, you know, we can all hold our hands up and say, well, you know, he's not getting the message across to the players or they're not doing what he wants or, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, let's, let's just uh, take a backward step and then give it, you know, evaluate it in, in six weeks' time. Fair. That's very fair there, Rob. I understand where you're going on that, and, and I do hope that we see exactly uh, what we all hope we see. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for talking about the uh, preseason and then talking about, obviously, the upcoming season. And uh, now I actually have one of our co-hosts. I'm going to have him join us because he 
is a huge fan of Gordon's. I'm going to bring him on right now, calling all the way in from Canada. Giannis, do you have a question for Gordon? Good evening, Gordon. Good evening, Rob. How are you doing? Uh, good evening, Giannis. And for those people listening, we have two legends on the phone, over 600 appearances for our club and close to 200 goals. So, you know, um, hail everything that you did for our club. I've got, it's actually a two-part, two-part question. I wanted to go back, guys, to probably the most enjoyable um, season I ever had when I was a season ticket holder with my dad back in 82, 83. And uh, just a, a question A and question B. Question A with that incredible squad, and I think as a fan, that's probably the year that I had the most fun supporting Fulham Football Club. It was just, just from top to bottom. Um, exciting football, um, attractive. We won a lot of lot of friends that year. It didn't end the way we wanted it necessarily. But I wanted to get A, your read on, on, you know, you've had a lot of time to think about this, but who you felt was the most impactful player from that particular squad of that year. And B, just a little bit of uh, commentary about um, the work of Malcolm McDonald, who... I mean, he spent four years with us. He, he, he was only a manager for seven or eight years, but as a striker, we all know for us in Newcastle, he's still a legend. And just um, in terms of your input of what he was like to play for uh, as a head coach. Who are you going to first, Yanis? Uh, I'll go to you first, Rob. Okay. Uh, going back to your first question, it was who was the most influential player in, in my eyes in that season? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, if I were, I would say Ray Houghton to me, personally. Um, I think Ray had come from, you know, West Ham, a free transfer. And I thought, you know, he gave us energy and quality and, and off the cuff. Um, you know, he obviously, we, we gave him the, the opportunity to get, a, you know, regular first-team football. And, you know, well done Ray that he went on to have the career he did with, you know, with, Obviously, Oxford and Liverpool and Villa and Republic of Ireland. So, you know, we gave him that platform. West Ham gave him a reserve type platform, and we we took the we took the the, the lad on, and he went on to to get a get a great career. So, as much as all all of us played some part in it, and you know, playing alongside Ray Lunton, who was a you know a pocket mm-hmm. dynamo in the middle of the park, and Noisy on the right, and Ray on the left, and the two up front. You know, you could go through all of them, and but you know, for me personally, I I, I thought Ray just had something, you know, that cutting edge that he, the brand of football that we played, the one-two touch, he could see passes. He probably created a lot of Gordon's goals. He created a lot of opportunities for other players, myself included. I just thought he gave us something different, and um, you know, there wasn't many defenders out there that enjoyed playing against him because he could go inside, outside. Uh, so the, it'd be my player uh, of, of that season. What about you, Gordon? What do you reckon? Most impactful player? Well, I was, I was thinking before Rob opened his mouth, and I'm thinking, oh, it's got to be Willow. But uh, as soon as he <laughs> mentioned Ray Houghton, I thought, <laughs> yeah, he's hit the nail on the head. Because uh, when uh, when he came to the club, you could see uh, Rob mentioned the word energy. He, he was just um, like a Duracell battery. He just didn't stop going forward, going backwards, coming inside, trying to get down the line. Um, and as, as Rob mentioned, what was great for, for me being up front is, is that he could see a pass very early. So his touch was good. If he got the ball down one touch, I could make a run. His second touch would be the pass. 
and that that early pass caught a lot of defenders out um, and gave me chances, gave Dixie chances, and, and on the back of that, midfield players knew that they could get in the box. And 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 Rob, I've always said about Rob, he was a very underrated player with yes, regards to, to that team. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, and it's it, it's difficult to say to say what he was like as a player, but I can only say that uh, to me, people used to say about Martin Peters, he used to time his runs into the box, that that was Willow. And the, the amount of times that I'd, I I was past the near post and I would just get a call of over and a new Rob was coming in behind me and he'd tuck balls away. And he, he was a good finisher, to be perfectly honest with you. I know, yeah. I know he probably hasn't told you how good he was, but he was a he was a fantastic player, and I think it aided his ability to get in the box because if if Ray Houghton could see me making a move, then I could create space for other people. And if he didn't pass me in, he'd, he'd knock the ball into Rob. So I think it was something that we we didn't have before Ray Houghton. We had um, Peter O'Sullivan uh, on on yeah. the sort of the left hand side, and and Sully and Strong he worked very very well in our promotion year. Um, but to be perfectly honest with you, Ray was on a, um, a different level. And as you can see, he, he went to Oxford. They won the, uh, was it the League Cup? He yeah, they did the League Cup, yeah. yeah. He went on to, to, to Liverpool. Uh, he, even coming down from his days at Liverpool, he went to a massive club in Villa. So he, he was a quality player. And I think uh, to get him on a free transfer, he probably must be one of the best. Um, players we've ever brought into the club that just didn't cost the club any money. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, looking back to that team, you know, you I know you guys were talking about the game up at Oakwell at the weekend, and going back to you, Rob, um, the one thing Russ and I talked about was the lack of mobility, and I remember in that 82-83 squad, one of the problems I found that the, the um, defenders had against our team was those late runs into the box. Um, because you really had the big man, obviously, in, in Dean, and then you got either you sniping, doing what you do best. But, Rob, you, you would sort of ghost in, and one of the things I always remember about the way you played for the club is that your, your football sense was outstanding. I mean, you, you instinctively were very good at running into pockets. You very rarely gave the ball away. Actually, say you and Louis, um, and that was one, I mean, the possession game and the ability to time those runs and time those passes it's something I think many fans nowadays could do a lot to go back to the videotape of that particular team and see why it was such a fun team to watch. It was, it was just, it was soccer, it was football smarts at its very, very highest. And I really would be intrigued what would have happened had the unthinkable not happened that season and we hadn't, we, we hadn't got promoted. But uh, I mean, that's, and you're right, Rob, you should never have got on two of the public of the Island Caps. To me, that was an absolute travesty, absolute disaster. I don't know what was going on there. Um, I know it was obviously indicative of the management at the time, but I think quality players deserve to play at the very highest level. And you, Rob, obviously did. And to, I know you did. You got the two for the U21s, but not to get to the senior team uh, in terms of what you brought to our team, I think it was a travesty. And sort of leading from that, Big Mac, um, Malcolm McDonald, um, who I always thought to the media presented himself very, very well. He was very well liked by fans, I can tell you that much. We loved him. And then, unfortunately, he had to leave us, ended up at Huddersfield. But what was it like playing for him that particular season? Especially, you know, it didn't end the way we wanted it to. And, and um, 
things seem to go south in, in ways we didn't uh, necessarily see coming. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And uh, thank you for them uh, nice plaudits, both from, from Gordon and yourself. So it's uh, very, uh, very privileged to listen to the comments like that and uh, much appreciated. In terms of, of, of Supermac, and, and, you know, there's lots of lots of players that would have played under him or with him. Uh, in the two years that he was manager, I mean, he was he he was uh, he, he wasn't a, a, play, a players type player. He, he you know all the coaching side of it it was done by Ray Harford, uh, yeah. Terry Mancini, um, you know who, who did all the coaching sessions. I mean probably some days we, we wouldn't see Super Mac or till till a Friday just turn up and play five a side. We wouldn't see him mm-hmm. Monday or Thursday because uh, Ray were doing all the coaching and you know we endured two good years there where the team was more or less picking itself every week. He didn't have to make too many key decisions in dropping players, or uh, which he did do at, at times and leaving players out. Uh, he had good banter with the senior players, Strongy and Gailey and, and Brownie, uh, mm-hmm. and the younger ones that were like myself that were coming through. Um, but you know, he had a good team around him. You know, he was a, in terms of man management, he'd you know he'd, he'd he'd put you in your place if he needed to. But you know, he'd also have a laugh with you and. Um, yeah, uh, as, as a manager, he, you know, he gave you the confidence to go out and play the brand of football we'd, we did in them days. And if you put it to a team nowadays, the way I'd like to think we'd probably be the Man City of that division, you know, going back then. We did play a nice brand of football. It was all about timing into runs, third man running. We worked on a lot of that. Um, it, it's more intricate and more triangles and more different now with the teams like Liverpool and, and City now when you watch their brand of football. But you know, there still should be the the ethos should still be the same. The the number ten in the game, which there weren't a number ten in our game, there might have been a number ten, but it wasn't called a number ten. You know, yeah. we'd play a four four two type system with a, a a midfield like myself or whatever breaking forward. Brian Robson did it years after me, or Brooking did it years before me. You know what I mean? So it's not rocket science, but I just think nowadays the game needs players like that to break. Uh, but most teams play with one up the middle now as opposed to two, you know, so you're not splitting the two centre-halves by, you know, a midfield runner coming late. So the, the game has changed a bit, and I'm sure it's it's for the better. But uh, in terms of working under Supermac, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, it was a pleasure to work with him. Yeah, it was disappointing the, the, the way it ended. Um, uh, and obviously, he did go to Huddersfield, and, and he didn't really have a successful period there. And he went on then to, um, I'm not sure what he did, but he ended up having some ill health and he was working in the media up in Newcastle. We we all saw him at Roger Brown's funeral many years ago. That was the last time I've seen him. I don't know if Gordon's caught up with him over the years in terms of media work when he's come to Fulham or we've gone to Newcastle or whatever. But yeah, it was a fantastic bloke. And if I met him tomorrow, it'd just be like old days and going back and having a, a bit of banter and a, a, and a pint with him or whatever. So, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed working with him. What about you? I've always liked working on the supermarket. It, it, to be perfectly honest with you, it was it was brilliant. He was the front man, uh, as Rob mentioned. He was the front man at the club. Um, really, never did uh, any coaching. He would join in with the coaching uh, ideas every now and again. Um, but I, I think the one thing that that paid off for for me uh, as, as a forward uh, was the way that. Uh, and, and it was obviously Markham had worked initially, first of all, with um, George Armstrong, who came across from Arsenal to Fulham. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was followed by Roger Thompson, who, who again, he knew from Arsenal. 
that came across as a coach, and his final coach was was Ray Harford, which I believe is probably the best coach that I've ever worked with. Um, but what what was done initially, um, I, and it's it's only a subtle thing. What was done initially is that Malcolm and the coaching staff changed the uh, the way that the defenders were thinking with regards to the ball from the back four into the forwards. Uh, and it's only a minute thing because I would want the ball, for instance, between the left back and the left centre half. The ball that the full backs or the, the centre half wanted to play into me was to my feet. So mm. there's a subtle change of five yards, six, seven yards from where the ball ends up. And they, he got the, the back four or sometimes the midfield players thinking, Gordon is making this type of run. He wants the ball on the left-hand side of him, not into his feet. Uh, and and it, it worked wonders, to be perfectly honest with you. It, it was a, a joy to get the ball that you wanted to receive rather than the ball that the full or, or the defence wanted to play into you. And it's a subtle difference. But that, that worked wonders for, for, for the team. Um, it was a situation that we were an attacking side. We we weren't a side that could really sit back and um, contain teams and, and and hit them on the break. We just wanted to go at teams. Uh, we wanted to take the game to teams. We wanted to score as many goals as we could. Sometimes it it, it came off. Sometimes it it didn't. But um, I think what Malcolm did, to be perfectly honest with you, was to get good coaches in that could develop the player's uh, skill set. Uh, and when finally Ray Harford came in, uh, I think it showed the level that the team was at. Because if you look at, although we were always the bridesmaid, if you look at the games that we then had against Tottenham in the FA Cup, we drew yeah. at home, we lost away at White Hart Lane. West Brom... We drew at West Brom. We, we lost at home by one goal. In the League Cup, we took Liverpool, who were the best team in Europe at the time, to three games. 1-1, 1-1, and we lost the third replay, 1-0. So we were playing some very, very good football at the time. And, and considering the amount of youngsters that had come through the, the, sort of the academy, if you want to class it as, as what it is now, there was Gailey, there was Willow, there was Jeff Hopkins, there was Paul Parker there was Dean Coney. You've got five or six players there that were put in the, in the team when they were 17, 18, 19 years of age. And they were all well-drilled in what the position that they were playing in was about. And yes, it wasn't all down to Malcolm, but the, the brand of football that Malcolm wanted, the coaches put into uh, place. And it... The game has moved on, as, as Rob said. Um, we would have to change our complete way of playing if we were put into that system now. But to be perfectly honest with you, we, are, we were a team, and we are a team that supporters still talk about. And you can only be talked about 30, 40 years later in, in the esteem that, that our squad is, is being talked about now because you played a brand of football that the supporters liked, that excited the supporters, and that puts us on a level um, that perhaps the team that got through to the European uh, Cup final a few years ago 
Um, it puts us at that level because we were a damn good team. Unfortunately, we didn't get that final uh, nudge over the line when, when the derby game was on. Uh, but to be perfectly honest with you, it is a shame because it would have been nice to see how we would have done week in, week out against the, the best teams in this country. And I think we would have done well. That's wonderful. Russ? Here, Giannis. I, I hope you enjoyed that. Russ, I did. I just The last slide I want to say, um, yes. two things. Firstly, I'm hoping to make it over to London sometime this year. And uh, at some point, hopefully, Rob, uh, either um, I can meet you two guys and, and dinner and drinks are on me. Um, and number two... Oh, hang, on, uh, hang, on, hang on, I know Will is going to say, oh, I will be there then. <laughs> no, both guys, this nah. both, this is Why would I both say that? Yeah, that's for both. This is for both. No, this is for both of you. And for you, Ivor, um, you know, you're my all-time favorite Fulham player. And uh, it uh, when you when you first left the club, it broke me. I was just, I was. Uh, my parents took me weeks to bring me. It was just a horrible, you know, your, your favorite player leaving the club. You came back, but I think for you know for yourself and, and everybody in that 83, 83 squad, what you did, I think the lessons that I learned as a fan is more than the game itself because the way you presented yourselves all of you as athletes as ambassadors to our great club um as ambassadors to the sport to the young people like me who was 15 16 in the 82 83 season is something that's had such a huge impact on me as an educator now i'm an assistant principal here in canada i've been a a, a football coach a rep football coach for 26 years and so much of it goes back to those that particular squad and that brand of football that you, you that uh, you undertook and and legend is a word unfortunately that's um too often used and in and inappropriate uh, circumstances but in this particular case for both of you and everybody that was associated with that squad and the coaching staff you do you certainly deserve all the play that you get and that is why when i come over to london the dinner and drinks will be on me <laughs> well, that's very right. kind of you i really appreciate yeah, that that's it, great, it is honest. very appreciated because it's it means a lot to to us players, Rob and myself, when uh, people say nice things about you, because it, it, it means um, it means that you enjoyed watching us play, and mm. there's a lot of people that would have given their right arm to be in our position and, and the position of players today that, that watch their club, um, and we were just fortunate to be. Uh, in that position, and I'm just glad that we gave you uh, not the best uh, or total memories because it would have been first division football, but memories that uh, have lasted with you for for this amount of time. So thank you very much. That's Thanks, great. guys, and thank, thank you, Russ, for the honour of, of allowing me to talk to, to Rob. Not a problem, Giannis. Thank you for joining us okay, thanks, tonight. Guys. All right, all right. Thanks, Giannis. Thank you. Okay. All right, guys, to finish up, I'm going to hand you over to Emilio, who has some questions for you. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of the questions come from our fans, so things we've already covered off. So we've had Christopher Phillips, who who's raised the concerns about how Scott Parker managed on Saturday. So, Rob, I won't ask that question. We're talking about that on Saturday, but Christopher Phillips has raised a concern about um, Scott Parker's tactics and substitutions on Saturday. Uh, Roger Lewis has questioned the, the quality of our midfield currently. Why did we sell Langis and Seri uh, or release them or let, allow them to go on loan and leaving us only with McDonald and Johansson? Again, we've covered off the gap in midfield. 
Um, Steve Reynolds has asked, has asked to comment on your thoughts about your experience at the club. Obviously, we've talked about that earlier, but there is one question which Kevin Hudson has raised, one of our listeners, our regular listeners. He's asked, I'm going to ask both of you this question. It's not, that's a trick question, but if you were both still a Fulham player now, what Fulham player following your return would you have loved to have played alongside with? So maybe, if, Gordon, if I go over to you first, if you had the, Heinz, the luxury of choosing any Fulham player subsequent to your retirement, who would you love to play alongside with? Wow. Uh, that, that, that covers quite a few. Um, I'd probably... I'd, I'd probably, probably get upset, if, I'm probably gonna upset a few players now uh, yeah. and a few supporters. But to be perfectly honest with you, um, I'd probably put Bobby Zamora up there in front wow. of Mitrovic. And I can see that. I can see that. And only because of his movement as, as mm. well. He wasn't a prolific goal scorer, but his movement, he'd probably mm. be the closest person mm. to Dean Coney uh, that uh, I, I could feed off and, and do well. Um, only, only because he, he likes going wide. He likes to get a ball on his left foot mm. and whip, whip stuff in. Um, and um, I, I'd probably go off the cuff. First things, usually a right. I'd probably go Bobby Zamora. I'm not surprised you'd say that. To be honest, that's the one I actually thought you'd actually respond to because I'm still adamant to this day. If he was fully fit for that final, we would have won it. Well, no. I, I've spoken to Simon Davis, and apparently there were about four players who were, were injured that evening, but mm. um, they, they, they all wanted to play, and it was unfortunately it was, when you think. We played about, I don't know, 64 games that year with a squad of about 16 people. Then it was one game too far. And yeah. if there'd been another two weeks before the final and everybody was fit, I think we could have been European champions. Mm, no, I agree. Wow. I agree. But, yeah, I, th- I just think, you know, you said it might be controversial amongst many fans. I, you know, I, I hear where you're coming from. I, you know, I, he was one of my favourite players. You know, he might not have been everyone's most popular player. And he didn't do himself justice, but he got a lot of criticism, in my opinion, unnecessarily from the fans. I thought he was a big loss when he went and he, he was a great player for us, especially in that season. But, you know, but uh, shame he wasn't there for the final being fully fit. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and Rob, over to you. Your wealth of talent in the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, difficult one. Just been thinking aloud while, mm. uh, while you've been uh, mulling over Gordon's uh, selections there. Um, I've probably got two in my mind that I would say I would love to have played alongside. The first one being Danny Murphy. Okay. I think he... He's my favourite player, Rob, by the way. My the, yeah, player. I mean, he reminds me much of, um, you know, my time with someone like Ray Lewington, who was mm-hmm. like a leader, who, who was a, a central figure in the middle of the park, very comfortable on the ball, you know, tenacity when needed to be, but could also play and see a pass. Um, so yeah, Danny was very obviously instrumental for the, the two or three years he was at Fulham, uh, and I enjoyed watching him play in the time he, he represented us. Um, out today's squad, you know, I'd have to say someone like Tom Kearney because I think you know this day and age the ball's about retention, and I don't see anyone better in the Championship from 18 months ago. Although last season was a lot a lot more difficult, that we you know when that kid's got the ball at his feet, you know. He, he can keep it for any length of time, seconds, minutes as he wants. And 
I just think he, he he's got now the platform after a disappointing 12 months this year now to put himself back into the pedestal of being you know one of the best players in the championship and he's the captain and he needs to be the team leader so you know I'd like to stand alongside him if he was taking us to to, to war and say okay then Tom <laughs> you know he's not he's not vocal but I just think he what he can do on a pitch with a ball he can influence people uh, and I think he can do that by his football, not so much his vocal side of it, whereas Danny could do both. So if I had heads or tails, uh, I'd have to sit on the fence. I'd say I'd have one for the first half and one for the second half. <laughs> you coward. Fantastic. You coward, Willow. <laughs> Fantastic. They both, they both could be listening. <laughs> they could be. Very, very interesting. Gordon, Rob, thank you so much for joining Emilio and I, and of course we had Giannis join us as well. It's been a pleasure. First of all, Gordon, just thank you. This is the first time you've been on Cottage Talk. I really appreciate you uh, coming on tonight. Yes, even though you sort of, uh, the line went dead and you missed me for sort of 35 minutes when I was telling you about my career, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's fantastic. And Rob, you've now been on several times and I love whatever we can get you on. It's just, it's been a treat. So thank you for joining your teammate Gordon here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you, Russ, and thank you, Emilio. It's uh, nice to, to to talk so soon after uh, after last week. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to catch up with Gordon. I saw him the, the back end of last season, and hopefully uh, I will catch up with him in his new domain down at Fulham Palace at some point this year. But, well, I hope um, you do, Rob, because you did say that uh, you're going to buy me a drink. Oh, yes, I'll always buy Yanis has given me his tab, his, his details. So I'll, I'll put it on his. Okay, excellent. Emilio, before we go, anything else you'd like to say? No, just to reiterate what you said, it's uh, thanks very much, guys, for coming on the show. Obviously, I go to all the home games and some of the away games in the scene, so obviously super, I can try to arrange to meet up with you one one, one of these days uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm, da- I'm, down, I'm down at Saturday's game, Blackburn okay. game for me. Personally, I'm travelling down this week for that. So um, that's right. the one I'm in, in the near future anyway. But um, Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And I was like... Anytime you guys know, home or away, if you if you want any uh, constructive or destructive criticism or praise, <laughs> then uh, you know my number. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. much Thanks again, guys. Really been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, excellent. No, thank you. And, and I've got to say one thing. Apparently, Russ, sure. you're a you're a Pats fan. I am. Oh, that goes down badly with me because I'm a Bengals fan. <laughs> that's a bit like supporting Fulham, really, isn't it? <laughs> that's actually that's actually a, a a good way to look at it. Yes, it's it's hard being a Bengals fan, but yeah, I'm glad glad I'm glad that you shared that with me. <laughs> All right, fantastic guys. Listen, I again thank you so much for joining us. But we do have to wrap this up for our very special guest, Gordon Davis, Rob Wilson, and my co-host Emilio Dino. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.